0: Back in the White Claw, Hard Seltzer Studios. I thought it was a good weekend for Tennessee basketball. I thought it was a good weekend for Tennessee basketball as South Carolina absolutely chokes a game away at home against LSU. Auburn gets absolutely dominated at home by Kentucky. And meanwhile, Tennessee kept rolling along as they you know, put on an offensive clinic in the first half against Vanderbilt. Kind of just coasted in the second half. And while coasting, still scored 37 points. So, yeah, Tennessee with a big-time performance as they beat Vanderbilt 88-53. to It was a balanced attack. Your entire starting five ends up with double figures. You got two guys off the bench that score at least eight as Toby Iwaka who basically split minutes pretty evenly with Jonas. He ends up with nine points. And then Cam, all gas, no brakes, car came in and continues the streak of being undefeated as long as he plays. And, boy, was he up there getting shots up. It was happy to see my little baby boy up there getting those shots off. But, yeah, Tennessee, a balance attack. Leading scores tied with 14 points each. It was a quiet Dalton Connect night by his standards. Everyone got to eat. It was a dominant performance. Bob, what
1: were your takes? Well, I was at a place uh, where there was a singing bartender, and there was no SEC network on TV. So oh. I ended up—I I joined the game eventually on my phone. Thank, thank you. Shout out to YouTube TV. It is amazing the technology we have. Just we get <clears throat> these little computers in our pocket. We can watch games
0: anywhere. Yeah, Sam, this isn't even that long ago, but back in my day. You know, I had to text. There was a number you had to text to get updates on scores. And it would text you back and say, here's the score. Here's how much time's left. You just had to
2: text the number. That kind of sounds more thrilling, though.
0: It was when you're sweating a, you know, a gambling pick. You're trying yeah. to see if there's going to be a run, you know, especially in basketball. Are, are you going to have this little 8-0 run that you need?
2: There's almost a little more of a rush when it's not just at your fingertips.
0: <laughs> it is true. You, you do come desensitized to, to being able to access any game. And not only, like, keep up with the score and have it be, you know, pretty timely, but also, yeah. Yeah, to be able to watch it. Also, live betting, you just have to wait till like, halftime. They didn't even have live betting. And then when they did, you had to wait till the commercial break and
1: hope that they fired one up during the three-minute break. Now it's just possession by possession. I feel like, just to add on to that, I should be like, Sam back in my day there's uh <laughs> seriously though I mean, it was fantasy baseball is was playing and it was just on the kind of the dawn of the internet and the service we had to use we had to wait for them to mail the week's stats in so you could kind of keep track in real time by looking at a newspaper and stuff but you didn't have the internet like you do now and then that stuff would come in it's horrible man I think back to that and it's like it wasn't that long ago. Could you
2: blame your fancy performance just on your mailman? Yeah, <laughs> stats didn't come in this yeah, week. it was couldn't it
1: was, get
2: that guy off waivers. Totally rough. It's like, hey, you know, they could have even faxed stuff. Really, <laughs>
1: it's not that hard. But um, and Bob sitting there in Savannah getting to watch the game on his phone. Look at how far we've come. Exactly. So I picked up the game, but but I mean, it really at that point. God, the start these guys had, obviously. Um, I I did go back again on YouTube TV and watch the key plays, which is a nice little feature. They kind of show you everything that happened. And so uh, it was nice to see Josiah and and Santee hitting threes again. Josiah's been hitting more of them lately, but it was nice to see Santee taking shots more than anything. Um, It was just, man, let's talk about total domination from everything I could see here. The threes were falling Vandy's horrible. Tennessee took care of business. It's just the way it should be. It's that's two times in a row now that's happened, and that that feels good because you mentioned it, John. We just saw you know South Carolina came down to earth a little bit this this past week, getting blown out by Auburn, and then losing one that's inexplicable to me on at home against LSU.
0: Yeah, I was feeling the vibes after the weekend, so I texted our group chat. Probably made Bob question his partner. What kind of guy he's sitting next to? was like, hey, guys, I really like Ty- Tyrese Halliburton tonight to-, to go over his points in the All-Star game. If it doesn't, I'm not coming to work next week. I'm going to lay in a hole. I, I got a hot out from some people. Uh, I won't see you if he doesn't score his 16 points. And he had 15 in a minute and a half stretch. And I was like, okay, I think we're good. But I took all the winnings and I put it on the balls last night to win the SEC outright. Nice. Because I thought the narrative kind of changed in terms of, well, A, like I said, you had Auburn – in South Carolina, almost disqualified themselves from the race. B, you had another good Tennessee offensive performance: thirty-three field goals, twenty-eight assists, twenty-eight assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that—that that to me tells the story of the game. That's the ball movement that you want to see, and the balance. Obviously, I told you you had seven guys with at least eight points off of of your starters in double figures. Connect still led the way with eleven shots, but six of eleven. Wasn't like he had a high usage at the free throw line. He only had eleven shots. He had five assists too. Five assists, yeah. He played a very uh well rounded game. Tennessee was dominant, just dominant and balanced. Like Sam said, twenty eight assists
1: on those thirty eight on those thirty three field goals. And only seven turnovers, too. I mean, they're uh I think I think you're right. I think this has turned quickly into a a two-team race. I I really believe that. Um, That March 2nd game in Tuscaloosa is huge. It was big already. Now, in in a week's time, it's become huge in my mind. Um, Plus, Auburn, not only did they lose their game, they may have lost Jalen Williams for extended time, one of their best players. We had talked about Alabama's schedule two weeks ago.
0: I don't know if it's optimism, if it's me trying to will it into existence, but I will say, you know, that was one of my takeaways from the weekend and one of the reasons I wanted to pull the trigger where I could still get Tennessee plus 175. But I do think Alabama's upcoming schedule down the stretch is is way tougher than we gave it credit for maybe two weeks ago. Like Florida's playing really good basketball. Florida's hot. I believe they've won seven of their last eight, and their one loss is a one-point loss at Texas A&M. That's the other thing keeping them from an eight-game winning streak. They got to play Florida twice on Wednesday of this week, and then I assume probably Florida senior night on Tuesday, March fifth. I don't I don't know if Florida would have a game after that at home, but I assume that's their senior night. It is. So like having to play that red hot Florida team twice, having to go to Kentucky, which all of a sudden looks like. Calipari was right a little bit in terms of, like, hey, we'll get it together. Because, like, they were actually playing defense against Auburn. Yeah, They were trying. Now, Auburn, you know, could thank KD Johnson for going out there and jacking up a bunch of shots and doing his whole routine. But, like, Auburn couldn't score. I think they had, like, eight points the first 11 minutes of the game or something crazy like that. Nine points the first 11 minutes of the game. So, yeah, when I look at Alabama and they got to play at Kentucky, Florida twice, at Ole Miss, and Tennessee, a, a team that... I think matches up really well with them. I think there's some chances here for Tennessee, who almost assuredly is going to own the tiebreaker over them. If there is a tiebreaker, Tennessee is almost assuredly going to own it. I thought now was the time to jump on Tennessee plus 175 to win the conference because I feel like that's a good
1: bet right now. Yeah, so that head-to-head obviously is important. And then, so we have what, six games left? Yep. Yep. There's a lot out there chatter of you know Tennessee goes five and one. I I wonder you know th- that would mean Alabama's got to go four and two for Tennessee to get the tiebreaker, right? Or five? Well, they have seven games left. Do they? No, they have six. They have six.
0: Ten and two and nine and three. Tennessee's a game behind. Tennessee yeah. controls their own destiny if they win out. But yes, in this scenario, uh, Tennessee can afford a loss even to Alabama. And if you have Alabama lose. Two of at Florida, at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, home for Florida. If they lose two and Tennessee only loses one, there's a really good chance that Tennessee then will win the tiebreaker after this weekend since South Carolina lost. Because you're going to assume that Auburn or Florida or Kentucky is going to be the number three seed. And the way the SEC tiebreaker works is it just goes down what your record is against the seeds. Yeah. Obviously it'd be, it says the one seed, but obviously this is a race for the one and two seed. So then it would go to three seed. So assuming that South Carolina isn't the three seed, which them losing to LSU really puts them behind the eight ball. It'll come down to what your record is against either Auburn or Florida or Kentucky and Tennessee in this scenario would be undefeated against Kentucky undefeated against Florida and
1: undefeated against Auburn in this scenario. The other game that's becoming, <clears throat> it's always big, but it, it looks like it becomes super big potentially is Kentucky coming in here now. I mean, if you look at their schedule, they have LSU, they do have Alabama, as we've mentioned, at Mississippi State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, and then at Tennessee. And it's, it's scary to think, but they, just like you said, John, they look different on Saturday. They, uh, they could be right back in this thing.
0: I don't know if I'm willing to start thinking of them as a threat to win the SEC, but, but yeah, they're, they're peaking. And you know, if you told me they went to Nashville and won the SEC tournament, that wouldn't surprise me just because they take it very seriously and they do have the talent and they are, they, they did finally play good basketball last week Uh, in terms of just last week's performance. They were, I believe the number one defense in the country in terms of adjusted efficiency, just in, just in the one week sample. I believe they were number one, and Tennessee was number either two or three. I know both were in the top three, along with, like, Pepperdine maybe was the other school, I think. But, yeah, like, the SEC race for the championship, I think, is still just going to be Tennessee and Alabama. But if you tell me that if Kentucky goes to Tennessee, goes to the Thompson-Bulling Arena at Food City Center and beats us, and also beats Alabama at home— then, yeah, maybe
1: they'll start thinking, hey, we got a pretty good shot of actually stealing a a split ourselves. I guess if you're South Carolina now, it's just you got to just scrap for that double buy at this point, right? I mean.
0: Scrap for the double buy, and honestly, you probably still have to scrap to make the tournament. Like, you you can't fall apart if you're South Carolina. That loss to LSU was bad. They had a week from hell on Wednesday. They lose about 40 at Auburn. But, yeah, they go to Mississippi, to A&M, Florida, Tennessee, and at Mississippi State. Like, every one of those games feels like a coin flip now. Now that you lost that LSU game, at Mississippi, at A&M, feels like a coin flip. Home against Florida, home against Tennessee, feels like games that you, you might even be underdogs in. And then at Mississippi State. So, yeah, you're trying to avoid, you know, an eight-game losing streak or a seven-game losing streak, I guess. So, yeah, they're not worried about the SEC championship. I don't know if they're still worried about the double bye. They might be, you know, just clinging to their NCAA tournament life. But that was a bad loss to LSU.
1: Well, I'm keeping this thread up. If you look at Auburn's remaining schedule, and again, they're that was a tough loss for them Saturday night. Again, we'll wait to see what happens uh, on the the verdict with Jalen Williams as an injury. But they only have five games left uh, at Georgia, at Tennessee. And then at home against Mississippi State, at Missouri, and home against Georgia. Not tough, really, other than Tennessee, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was a bad loss for Auburn to Kentucky. And then it was funnier whenever you saw Bruce in there, (laughs) huffing and puffing, talking about how the championship runs through Auburn. Well, it did for one night, Bruce. In a sort of a kind of a way. I mean, you didn't really affect – you couldn't catch Alabama at this point, so I don't really understand – what he was getting at by saying that the championship ran through auburn
1: boy he threw a fit at the towards the end i mean all <laughs> uh maybe i shouldn't talk about his physique but he looks swollen yeah he looks swollen probably won't be taking the shirt off anytime soon like he used to
0: yeah i'm at the point now where i'm worried about him whenever he gets to screaming though yeah like I don't know how his cardiovascular health is. Like, I don't want him screaming and, and popping a blood vessel or, you know, clutching his chest. Uh, calm down a little bit. Yeah. Calm down a little bit. It hits different when you're 40 pounds overweight. Be
1: careful. Maybe less soft pretzels on the sidelines. Um, is he yeah. a soft pretzel guy? I don't know. Oh, okay. I could just picture him grabbing one, though. Okay. He's mad and getting a big bite out of one or something. I don't know. Um, being able to coach in a T-shirt helps, though. I will say
0: that. It, <laughs> it does help with the weight gain. Him being able to find a nice loose T-shirt to be out there in instead of
1: sweating through a suit. I'm just glad the jungle thing got shut down a little bit for yeah. a minute at least. Uh, I, I was getting tired of hearing about that. Yeah, Wildcats, uh, the king of
0: the jungle on Saturday night. We'll continue talking Tennessee basketball after the break. We'll take your phone calls if you want to weigh in, 865 865- 546 8200. If you want to talk some SEC hoops, some Tennessee basketball, 865 546 8200. Sam to break. We'll come back. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Sam, we didn't get your take on Tennessee Vanderbilt. I don't know how much is to be sad about this actual game. You know, when you look at just how dominant it was and, and maybe the bigger story coming out of it is just how dead Jerry Stackhouse is. <laughs> at least his tenure at, at Vanderbilt seems to be coming to a, a merciless end. But what were your takes?
2: Yeah, I mean, y'all definitely touched on it there. I think the assist to me was, was kind of my big takeaway in terms of 28 assists on 33 made shots. Uh, but also you know I just thought getting all your young players at least 10 minutes of playing time kind of late into the season I think is is really valuable and kind of just letting your starters basically have an off night if only having to play 20 minutes you're here into the back half of your schedule where you know the wear and tear of the season starting to starting to add up and I'm sure you've got some guys that are kind of banged up and are playing through some injuries and stuff like that so I think it's great to be able to to give your starters basically just 20 minutes of run and six games left in the SEC schedule. You get some freshmen, some confidence kind of in conference play in case those guys maybe have to step up and march and give you some minutes down the stretch and stuff like that. So I think in a a pretty perfect game that you played in terms of team-wise, I think it was good to be able to see some young guys get a lot of run. Good
0: point by you on that when it came to young guys playing early and often. I don't know if it was Rick Barnes – hearing the cries of people wanting to see some young guys get some minutes, let the older guys get some rest, or if it was just him trying to do a solid for his his boy, Stack, who, you know, Coach Polinsky told us Rick Barnes has a real affinity for because it, against other teams, the, the starters would have been in in the second half a lot more than they were on Saturday night. I don't know which one to, you know, give the – blame for the credit for I don't know I don't know which reason if it was just maybe a little bit of everything like hey let's get some young guys some run let's let connect and and Zaka finally get some minutes off and let's also not like you know beat this team by 70 because the way the first half went you might could
1: have beaten that team by like 60 or 70 if you really wanted to I think you're right I think maybe that it was um how he feels about Stackhouse because He probably looked at this game, my God, at the first half, it's like there's no way this team's coming back. Where, you know, Arkansas was a different kind of story if you look at that comparison. Although Tennessee got a huge lead, but I don't know, maybe he thought Arkansas could somehow shoot their way back in at some point. sure wasn't going to happen with Vanderbilt based on what I saw. And it is good seeing those younger guys play, particularly at this time of season, as we're getting closer and closer to the tournament letting the, the regulars get a little bit more rest. Um, there was a lot of good – I mean, I know it's Vandy, but there was a lot of good to draw from this game, from what I can tell. It's uh, Like you said earlier, it was kind of a feel-good game for the weekend. Getting those guys reps and,
0: and getting those minutes on the bench, you know, for your, your top five players, I think is very important. The minutes for the young guys, I don't know how much is going to play into effect, you know, like moving forward this season. But it was nice to see, you know, Freddie and, and, and Carr out there. But I don't know, like, how much they're going to play when it comes tournament time. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't think the rotation is all of a sudden going to expand. Now, there, there will be a game at some point where one of those guards, either Freddie or, or Carr, is going to have to give you like three or four minutes. They'll have to give you a four-minute spurt. But, like, I don't anticipate either one of those guys playing more than, than five minutes in an important game. I think you're right. But it's a reward for, like, hey, keep chasing this carrot in terms of practice and showing up and preparing. You finally got, you know, 13 minutes of playing time, and you got to do some things. If you're Carr, you got to hit a couple threes. If you're Freddie, you got to go out there and run around, have a couple passes, get some shots up yourself. I don't know if they're going to matter when it comes to tournament time because I think that rotation is going to get smaller, right? Like, you're going to play seven and a half guys. But there will be a game where either Phillips or Estrella, when he's healthy, has to come in and give you four or five minutes as a third big, and there will be some times when when either Freddie or Carr is going to have to come in and and run around and
1: grab a couple rebounds or or dribble the ball for a bit. How do we feel now about... I was looking at Gainey's line, 0 for 6 from the field, but off the heels of some pretty good games. Do we, do we just accept now with Gainey that it's going to be hot and cold, and that you know the hot games are going to be worth it? Because I mean, he played 20 minutes. That's a lot of minutes, um, and he wasn't hitting clearly, but he's been playing well by and large.
0: Yeah, I mean Tennessee starters themselves: 20 minutes for Jonas, 22 for Dalton, 24 for Zakai. 22 for Santee, 18 for Josiah. Your two normal bench players, or I guess your three normal rota- uh, rotation bench players. Awaka oh, with 16. That's that's a little bit more than he usually plays. Gainey with 20, Masak with 16. So those guys are kind of in lockstep with what they usually do. Gainey a couple extra minutes, I guess. You know, with Gainey, Bob, to answer your question, if he doesn't hit a shot within his first two, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I usually come to the terms with the fact he's probably not going to hit a shot all night. If he misses both of his first two, then, yeah, it's going to be a bad night. He's going to throw up a 2 for 8 or an 0 for 6 or something like that. Now, you know, in the Kentucky game, we gave him credit, and I believe that was a 2 for 8 performance shooting-wise, but we gave him credit for still impacting the game and still hustling and still making plays. As far as how he performed on Saturday, got to be honest, I don't remember him doing anything good or bad because it was not yeah. highlighted at all. It was just all kind of in the flow of the game. Here, get your shots up. I don't know. I'm not going to say I'm worried about him because he's shown that he can actually make some shots and make an impact. You didn't need him against Vanderbilt. I don't remember being like, oh my god, what is he doing? So yeah, no no takes on him from the Vanderbilt game. That was a low-pressure game for everybody. The starters, I mean, all those guys were basically right, either right at five, uh, 50%, If you're looking at Jonas or everybody, you know, your starters, five of 10 from the field, six of 11, five of six, four of six, five of seven. I don't know what percentage that is, but quick math tells me that's going to be somewhere around like 67 to 70% of what those guys shot. So I'm okay with the bench, you know, looking to try to get some buckets and not really been able to get them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They were about, yeah, you're right. About 63%, something like that, roughly for those five. Yeah. Take that every night. They were really good.
0: Tennessee continues to rise offensively. They're up to – I guess they dropped down a couple spots, actually, which is crazy. You score 50 points in the first half, and you drop two spots. They're down to 15th in terms of offensive efficiency. I believe they were 13th heading into the game. Their defense back to being a top five unit. They're holding steady at fifth. Their net ranking – They are holding steady, I believe, at number uh, six on there. They picked up another quad one win. No, not from Vanderbilt, but Florida has now become a quad one win as Florida now, I think, sits at 28th in the country to be quadrant one. But you want to stack up as many of those wins as possible. To be a quad one win, you have to be a top 30 team team. If it's a home game, a top 50 opponent, if it's going to be a neutral site game, and a top, I believe, 75, if it's going to be a road opponent. So Florida currently meeting the threshold as they are now number 28. Which, by the way, Florida, 18-7 and seven this year, playing better. All seven of their losses, quadrant one. So Florida's yet to kind of drop any stinkers. Their new coach maybe knows what he's doing. I know a lot of people said that when they hired him, but it seems like he might be pretty solid there. But yeah, Tennessee 5-5 five and five now against the Quad 1. With a couple of opportunities, uh, you know, what, three or four opportunities down the stretch to kind of uh, continue to build off that. Any other final thoughts about Tennessee basketball when it comes to the Vanderbilt game? I don't think the Missouri game, you know, is is worth sweating over. It, it, it's another one of those games where you hope that you get some young guys some minutes. Missouri not very good. They're eight and seventeen in the SEC, or excuse me, eight and seventeen overall.
1: Winless. Still games. winless in the SEC. Yeah, still
0: winless in the SEC. When you're looking at young guys, I'd like to see them get some road minutes. That's not gonna be like a hostile atmosphere by any means. Like it's not gonna be that, but like I'd like to see those young guys continue to play and Tennessee kind of be able to kinda keep their their older guys or their starters a little bit fresh for this stretch run. Cause next, you know, this upcoming Saturday at home against AM, it's gonna be a tough game. That's a team you owe some revenge to. And then of course you get to that final four game stretch. So weird that Missouri was so good last year. Eight and seventeen, and for in the SEC. Uh, that's more like it.
1: I know they lost to Kobe Brown, but I don't. I don't think they lost that many players. They I look at their roster right now, and I see guys from last year's team: Sean East, Nick Honor. I mean, they're, Kobe was great,
0: but they also just kind of caught lightning
1: in a bottle yeah. last year. I think. I definitely. It's funny how fleeting it can be for these coaches, too, because I was really impressed with Dennis Gates last year. It doesn't mean he's a bad coach based on what's happened in this season, but it does give you a little bit of pause. Um, it makes you wonder, like, about we've been touting Lamont Paris. Is he in that same boat we're going to see here in the next week or two?
0: Yeah, if you're him, maybe you uh, you ride this wave and try to go find you a new job and yeah. and get out and continue to rise. Because, yeah, for uh, for Missouri's coach, she – He's now probably on the wrong side of, like, fan feelings. Not calling him necessarily a hot seat candidate yet, but if you're a Missouri fan, you're probably like, hey, last year was more of a fluke. This seems this seems ugly here now. Can he
1: build this? Can he actually be good? Because, like, all the goodwill from last year should be used up. Do you guys remember uh, Emmanuel Lewis? Webster? No. Little guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Dennis Gates looks like him you'll have to look it up in the break. I'm telling you, he looks like an adult version of uh Webster. And it might be cuz he always wears that. He wears that same suit and yellow tie every time. It's just like kind of a I can see it. Yeah. I can see it. Just an observation. Sam's <laughs> like, "Who the hell
0: are you talking <laughs> yeah, about?" Yeah, no, Sam. No there's idea. no way in hell Sam <laughs> Sam knows what I'm talking about,
1: but uh he was now, he well, was a hot he was a he was a white hot little celebrity for a while, old Webster. It felt like when I was younger, it felt like Webster, you know, I don't even know what years
0: Webster was on TV, but <laughs> seeing him you know, when I was younger, it felt like a, an answer to Gary Coleman is what it felt like they were trying yes, to. Yeah. It felt like they were trying to uh, recreate that magic. Oh, God. Drink some White Claw Hard Seltzer on your Monday morning. Get this week started off properly. Pick you up a bottle of their vodka, or if you just need a little seltzer, they got non-alcoholic seltzer as well. We appreciate White Claw Hard Seltzer for their support. Cherokee Distributing locally for their support as well. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Go download the new Fan Run Radio app. Take us on the go. You can listen to your podcast right there live in the app. Not live in the app because podcasts by definition are recorded, but you know what I mean. You can live stream us in the app. You could do that and then listen to recorded podcasts. Get your news right there inside the app, the new fan run radio app. Go download it. Tennessee baseball got their season started. A two and one championship performance. Apparently, we won the Shoners Classic after winning last night. Two and one, one Friday. Lost in extra innings on Saturday, and then won last night the final game of the tournament. All right, Sam, give me your takeaways.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it was a great start to the year for you. Um, You you had obviously, you started out with a a really strong performance from A.J. Russell on Friday night. He gave you some some unbelievable uh, starting action. You know, obviously huge in terms of that movement on that fastball. Looked unbelievable. Had some nasty stuff. Uh, striking out just about everyone he was facing. And then you got A.J. Causey, uh, the transfer that you brought in, coming in after that. He also strikes out seven. You get 17 combined strikeouts in that first game. So 17
0: um, strikeouts out of 27 outs. So Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's a pretty good percentage. Yeah. A.J. Russell struck out 10 of his 13 outs. And then, yeah, Causey struck out seven of his 11. I believe is that how the math on that works. Is that right? Yeah, maybe.
1: I don't know. We've got the best pitchers named A.J. in the country.
2: We man. do. The best A.J. duo you can think of. I hope we get a couple games where we can just go A.J. to A.J. and finish it out.
0: Seven of his 14, I guess, would be the math. Okay.
2: okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I think that first game was great. You, you saw that pitching and, and kind of just being able to, you know, the ability to really only throw two guys in a night. And then I think you saw in, that t- in the uh, Oklahoma game, you know, I, I think it was – a little bit tougher. He didn't get the bats going as much, um, and, and that one goes into extra innings. I think Oklahoma, they they pitched a true freshman uh, that gave him, I think, about 90 pitches in that game, a really impressive outing for him. Kind of just you know one of those that you tip the cap, and some days you don't have your best stuff. Um, but I thought you had a, a really great response last night. Uh, power was on display all night long, and I think it was on display all weekend. You really saw it. Uh, you know transfer Billy Amick he was huge you got Kavaris tears a guy that Kirby you know talked about is kind of a breakout guy on this roster uh, so far this year and, and Dylan Dryling also a guy that was really flashing the bat as well so I think there's a ton to take away from this weekend
0: yeah let's start with AJ Russell because I thought his stuff was electric you know I, I don't know what type of stamina he'll have this year you know that was kind of the a talking point we had, you know, on Friday when we were previewing the season because going into this opener, you know, he hadn't pitched in a game longer than, what, three and a third, I believe was his career longest outing. Mm-hmm. You knew they weren't going to, like, really push him and stretch him out, uh, you know, early in the season. He came out. He he eclipsed that career best. He threw four and a third. But I thought just the actual stuff, like the fastball, the tail, the movement on the fastball – the sinker, I believe the broadcast said he threw a 94-mile-an-hour sinker, which seems kind of crazy. The change-up looked good. I I thought, or at least it looked like a change-up on the highlights I saw. I don't know exactly if it was, but it looked like a change-up. So if it wasn't, don't don't scream at me and call me an <laughs> idiot. But it, it looked like one. But I thought his stuff looked really good. You know, the There was a nice video put together, just all 17 strikeouts. I thought both A.J.'s pitched really well. The offense, you know, Billy Amick, guys a stud. That was
1: a – what a blast, man, that home run.
2: Both of them. I mean, yeah, yeah he, that opposite field home run that he hit in the first game. Yes. Shows that yeah. power. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously a, the second second, second deck shot there uh, last night. Unbelievable power from him.
0: Guys a stud. Christian Moore was a stud this weekend absolutely, as
2: well. Absolutely.
0: They couldn't get him out. On base percentage of 56% coming out of the weekend. He was he was really good. I thought dryling, showing some pop. I, I will say that like I don't come out of this weekend feeling better about the person I had the biggest questions about when it came to the lineup. And that's like what you do with Blake Burke. You know, we talked about him kind of being at the top of the lineup, I feel like is not the right spot. And, you know, Tony had him bat- batting second. That seems like something that changes. Not going to like panic too much after, you know, just an opening weekend, but the, play- the plate discipline didn't seem to be a big point of emphasis for him this offseason. It-, it wasn't like you came back and you you had a new patient approach at the plate. Yeah. And that was a little disappointing. And, that, you know, that, that kind of was the reason in general why you lost game two. The The lineup wasn't
1: there. Sam, you, uh, you talked a little bit about tears, and we were all talking about big expectations for him. One of the things that surprised me, and I guess, again, as I continue to familiarize myself with him and parts of this year's team, is I saw him running the bases, and he was – I guess faster than I thought too. Yeah. I just thought he was a you know, jack dude that's gonna hit like hell. But you know, he he also I mean he's an athlete for
2: sure. Absolutely.
1: Sometimes they don't you know when you play right field it's not always the case. But uh, but he's he looks different.
2: Yeah, they've they've definitely been talking about his athleticism. I think he's a guy that I want to say he played quarterback. I think in high school, so definitely an athlete. Uh, but yeah, they've been talking about his speed as kind of being an underrated element also a huge arm kind of in right field so I think that's a guy that they're hoping to be able to take over that right field spot and and you know kind of take grab of that and, and be able to hold hold that all season and I think you'll be able to have a, a lethal outfield if he's kind of in that right field spot all year with dryling Inslee made some great plays defensively in center field I thought and then yeah Tars uh, tears in right field I think will be an unbelievable trio
0: tears looks like a big leaguer you know, I don't know if the talent's there in terms of at the plate, like if he can be consistent enough. to. But, like, the tools are all there. Like, he looks like a big leaguer. He runs like a big leaguer. You know, he's, he's a guy that looks like he can do it all. But, yeah, I thought the defense in general, Sam, I thought that was a big part of the weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the defense was really, really good. And that's something that's, you know, kind of struggled a little bit at times. The last couple years, it, you seem very sure in the field. You know the the range in center field that saved the game last night from getting out of hand early. You know the diving catch that Inslee made was was really really good.
2: I think some that's something that can kind of be lackluster at the start of a year too. You sure, know, guys are just kind of getting into the swing of things and kind of knocking some of that off season rust off. So I think yeah, it's a great. It's a great sign that you're on point defensively and that you're able to make some big plays and, and support that pitching staff. I thought Nate Snead last night when he came in after Seacrest gave you some unbelievable innings uh, and, and credit to Vitello and that staff for kind of letting him weather through the storm a little bit in his first inning. He was real shaky. I think he had nine straight balls that he threw maybe and yeah. then uh, you know, went out there for another two or three innings after that and, and really had some good stuff.
0: Yeah, I got to say that – if we're looking for causes for concern I, I don't think he's i don't think he's the answer as your third starter
2: i don't know i think i think you'll definitely see him get a chance in in some midweek games or maybe just some action here where you're playing you know not as great competition for the next weeks. yeah couple i mean
0: you you know for the next month you know you're you're starting you know like bowling green you got albany this this weekend bowling green illinois you know, you got three little tune-up series. But, like, yeah, just I, I just don't know. I, I don't think – well, if he is your Sunday starter, then you're going to have to, like, score a bunch of runs on Sunday. It's, it's just how I felt after one game. Now, you know, maybe that's a, a harsh reaction. Maybe that's an overreaction. Maybe he can settle down. and. Yeah, you you four know.
2: straight scoreless innings after that, after his tough start. Well, maybe yeah. Maybe, like, 70, 80 pitches too.
0: Well, yeah, but I, I understand how baseball works in terms of your defense does pick you up, but if Inslee doesn't make, like, a – a web gem out there, he might get ran in the first inning. Now, I do give him credit for settling down, so I understand
1: that, but, like, that that gave me a little worry. Sam, what do you think of Stamos? I mean, it felt like he was kind of locked down the last couple of innings, yeah. right? Yeah,
2: Stamos is great. That's a guy that they're kind of, I think, expecting to be a, a veteran guy that can kind of just slot in at any point in the game and come in in some high-leverage spots. That triple play was obviously – awesome and got you out of a a tough spot there with him so yeah I think they're expecting Stamos to kind of be a guy that is willing to take the call kind of whenever in in any type of situation whether you got the lead or whether you're kind of coming from behind as well Uncle Chrissy Uncle Chrissy
1: (laughs) Sam got me fired up man with his posts last night on X he's uh you're all in on baseball
2: yeah I'm all in on this baseball team I'm excited about him
1: no, yeah, yeah, this team, I thought, again, the defense to me may be the
0: biggest takeaway from the opening weekend. You know, combined with Russell's movement and, and Causey's movement, I, I thought both of those guys, you know, the stars of game one. I thought Billy Amick looked like an All-American yeah. at the plate, but also, like, I thought he made a couple plays at third bla- third base. That 100%. He just, he just made look simple Yeah, that weren't routine plays. Yeah. I, do you, at this point... Did Christian Moore do anything that makes you think, hey, maybe he could play shortstop for the full season? Because I it, thought he had a couple of nice defensive plays too.
2: Yeah, I think that will be an interesting spot. And, you know, I mean, I, I thought that the guys that were kind of asked to play that second field ro- role too or second base role were were pretty solid as well. I think you might, you know, lack a little bit in terms of hitting at that spot. But when you've got eight other really strong bats, you know, maybe you just kind of take a little bit of defense for some offense, you know. Who knows? I think you'll see a lot of rotation early on in the in the season at that spot. See what see what works and what doesn't.
0: Coming out of the weekend, Tennessee. Just keep an eye on this, and, and how it fluctuates throughout the season. But right now, Tennessee plus nineteen hundred, nineteen to one to win the College World Series. That's good for seventh best odds.
2: Get it while you can.
0: Top seven team. So, I'm excited to see the boys get out this week and play. Yeah. Know, get back to Knoxville. Because I do think, like, you know, playing in that big league ballpark probably cost you a couple home runs, too.
2: Yeah, you had some hard-hit balls that – Kavar's tears last night almost had another another one that was just smoked. You yeah. Hit like, 409 to dead center, the deepest part of the park that just right. didn't go out. So Yeah,
0: that that's, that's obviously gone yeah. inside of Lindsey Nelson.
2: Yeah, yeah. Promising weekend for sure.
0: The pop in the offense was there, and, and game two, like, I mean, you didn't come up with timely hits, and that was frustrating. You scored one run, I believe, with 13 base runners.
2: Yeah, you definitely left some guys on base,
0: 100%. And Vitello, after the game, was like, hey, yeah, it's frustrating to have a bunch of guys left on base, but you got to have guys on base to leave them there. So, you know, it was like, we got we, we manufactured some, some base runners, so that's something to take away from it, but like, hey... You know, we got a lot of guys playing in different positions and getting, you know, a, their first chances, especially here at Tennessee. And they got to learn, and, you know, they'll be better. Keep in mind, didn't we start SEC play last year, like 0-5? Yeah,
2: we had a slow start to the year, for I, sure. I believe
0: we're 0-5 in SEC play, I, I believe. We ended up being just fine. So, like, the people that didn't learn their lesson from last year that were panicking online after uh, losing an X innings <laughs> game yeah. – it was, it was quite amazing. And I was, I was like, is it Saturday night? Have they, been, have they been in the White Claw? Are they just, like, living and dying? Do they think this is football? Like, I'm not one to
1: fan It's Like, meltdown. It's fun. It's funny. I enjoy watching it. I'm not going to do it. We all, we all said two and one would be just fine for oh, this, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's, sure. that's what it ended up. I mean. It, it was an ugly loss in the sense of, like, yeah, you couldn't get a hit. But, like,
0: watching people melt down on this team after what we did last year and how we ended up in Omaha after that. It was just kind of remarkable to me.
2: <laughs> the final score of your loss too felt a whole lot closer than five to one too. Well, like you watching, lost in extras, yeah, but like you had chances in extras to win that game too. Like I, yeah. I think that there was plenty of of things to take away more than positively than negatively. Yeah, five
0: weekend. to one's ugly, but if you lost two to one in the ninth inning, like I mean, you won't you don't feel bad. You're like, oh, pitching duel. You're on the wrong side of it. Exactly. They explode. They score runs and extras. But like leaving the runners on base, I get it. It's ugly, but. The meltdowns, crazy to me. We'll read and react with Ryan Schumpert, Rocky Top Insider, coming up after the break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. The street, All right, let's bring on Ryan Shumpert, RockyTopInsider.com. Ryan, happy Monday to you, my friend. Happy Monday, you guys. Glad to, glad to be back on. Where do you want to start? What's the biggest story to you when it comes to Tennessee athletics right now? Is it the basketball team's dismantling of Jerry Stackhouse and Vanderbilt or is it the first opening weekend of Tennessee baseball where's your mind at right now
3: it was probably closer with baseball which is you know hard to say in February I'd almost always say basketball but you know Vanderbilt was just so hapless this weekend that I think my, my takeaways uh in mind were more on, on the baseball team and their solid weekend in Texas all
0: right give me your biggest overreaction mine is AJ Russell's stuff is better than Drew Beam's stuff and that Billy Amick is an All-American. I don't feel like either one of those are too hot of takes.
3: No, I don't think either of them are. You know, overreactions. Billy Amick was a, a near All-American last year at Clemson, and AJ Russell, I think is stuff definitively better than Drew Beam. Now, can he be a more consistent, better pitcher over the course of a full season? That'll, you know, we'll wait to see that. But it became readily apparent why AJ Russell was starting on Friday night, and that's the fact that his. His ceiling, uh, even this season, not just in the long term, is higher than Drew Beam. and it, You knew that. You knew his stuff was really good. Um, obviously, he was just dominant when he did pitch last year as a freshman, but only about 30, 30 innings and a, not a, necessarily a whole lot of high leverage innings. Um, but for him to come out, and again, it's just one start. But, man, he was really, really good on Friday night against Texas Tech. And when you start to look at this Tennessee team and their questions – predominantly being around the pitching staff. If you have one other starter that you feel really good about uh, with Drew Beam, I think you have uh, enough confidence that Tennessee will be able to fit and Frank Anderson will be able to figure out the rest.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about how you felt about Xander's first start or you know, his first Sunday start in, the, in this role. Rough at the beginning, but then settled down after an amazing catch in the outfield by Hunter Ensley. Do you see him kind of holding on to that third spot over the next month as we get into SEC play, or do you think we're going to see a different starting pitcher this upcoming Sunday and give someone else a chance?
3: I think we may see Xander for one more weekend, but I think we're going to see a couple different guys starting that Sunday spot before we get to SEC play. And, you know, I would have probably said that unless Xander was just absolutely fantastic. You know, I feel like Tennessee – wasn't completely set in stone on Xander being that Sunday guy. They wanted to try multiple guys out. And then the, the other thing that I'll point to is Tennessee plays, I can't remember what week it is, but sometime here in the midweek before SEC plays against, they play Kansas State. And I imagine that's another game that they'll kind of treat like a Sunday game where they'll, they'll give someone an opportunity and ask them to get two times through the order. And I think that's really what they're going to be looking for uh, from that starter. I don't think they're, they don't have a, a a Drew Beam type of third starter this year, where someone you're going to feel really good about. I think it's going to be kind of more like Will Hefflin was in 21, uh, where they're trying to find someone that can get four or five innings, two times through the lineup. You know, give up two or three runs or less. And uh, they have a couple options. I'm sure we'll probably see Zander again in that role. He'll get another opportunity, um, but certainly he didn't inspire a, a ton of confidence in his first start. That again wasn't awful, uh, but just wasn't great either.
0: You talked about the 2021 season. I know you're talking about Heflin as kind of that first guy, or, you know, a guy that you kind of had to piece together behind after the bullpen. And, you know, he's only going to give you a certain amount of innings. But the offense, of course, was the story of that 2021 team. It feels like the 2024 version, the offense is going to be pretty good and pretty stacked as well.
3: It really does. And, you know, that was the thing that. It was pretty clear Tennessee made an emphasis of immediately in the transfer portal you had to go out and get Billy Amick and Tannen Peebles and even Ryan Galaney who ended up going to the MLB, would have been another guy that would have been in this lineup. And it's just it's night and day better than the offense was last year, where it really felt like Tennessee was reliant on a couple bats and they needed a couple guys to be having good weekends, or they were going to have to very much be piecing together stuff offensively. And I think this is going to be much more like 21 much more like 22 uh, from an offensive standpoint. I think that middle of the lineup is going to be really, really good. And, you know, you have guys in the back of the lineup, too, um, whether it's Kavaris Tears or Dylan Dryling, a couple guys that have been solid bench bats for you, and it feels like in their second or third year in the program, they're really going to be breakout players and really consistent performers, and that's kind of, been the staple of the Tony Vitello era, guys that have waited their turn and been really good. And I thought both those guys who I've been high on entering the season had really nice opening
1: weekends. Hey, Ryan, jumping to basketball, we'll talk a little bit about Vanderbilt here in a moment, but there there was a lot of good there, but, you know, it it was just a beat down. There's only so much we can analyze there. So the the question I want to pose to you is more about – a piece that you actually wrote about Tennessee's chances for the conference championship, because we talked about this earlier in the show today. And uh, it feels like with South Carolina, it's like maybe now we know a little more about South Carolina after this week. Um, you know, they, pretty pretty catastrophic week for them. Um, and so, as you put here, you know, there's, there's more and more shape to it looking like it's a, a Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Race to the top. Although we're still going to be waiting to hear what Auburn has to say. I don't. They haven't given any news back on Jalen Williams, have they? I think it came out that he'll be back at some point. It wasn't season-ending, but okay. no, no direct timeline. Okay. But just curious, from your take too. I mean, obviously the game in Tuscaloosa on March second looms large for Tennessee. But beyond that too, there's some teams that will. John had noted Florida's playing great basketball. They're starting to climb. Kentucky looked like what we thought Kentucky should look like, the way they played Saturday night. Um, Not necessarily for winning the SEC conference title, but just, you know, SEC conference tournament, et cetera. Do we have to start paying closer attention to them? I definitely think about that Kentucky game in Knoxville. It's going to be interesting. That one's going to be a war
3: definitely and you know it's with Kentucky it's not necessarily like you alluded to that they're going to really become a big factor in the SEC regular season race but they become a big impact as Tennessee plays them to conclude the regular season Alabama heads the, the Lexington on Saturday so you know those both of those games look I think a lot harder than they maybe did a week ago and uh, that's kind of the same thing with Florida I mean Alabama still has Florida twice I think they played them in Tuscaloosa this week and then go to Gainesville the last week in regular season so Auburn, it feels like, probably won't drop another one besides, you know, potentially at Tennessee, uh, which would put them, you know, at fourteen and four, I believe. Um, so it feels like a three-team race. Really, Tennessee and Alabama, I think, are the two most likely. Auburn can maybe uh, get a split if things fall their way. But uh, like you said, that, that game in Tuscaloosa looms large. That feels like a big one, and uh, you still feel like Tennessee will hold serve at home, uh, even though they lost that South Carolina game, even though Kentucky's playing better. I just don't feel like Auburn has the guards to come into Knoxville and win, and I feel like Tennessee will still be able to take care of Kentucky. So you kind of, if Tennessee can take care of business this week, which I anticipate they will, you kind of circle those those back-to-back games at Alabama and South Carolina, and certainly South Carolina is coming back down to earth a little bit. I think going into last week, they were like top five in luck in Pom. Obviously, they were a good team. But it didn't feel like they were as good as the record indicated, and uh, certainly last week kind of was a little bit of a humbling one for the Gamecocks.
0: Yeah, they were hanging around, you know, in the 70s in terms of the Ken Palm ratings, despite being, you know, 21-4. and four. Auburn already with that fourth SEC loss. They're 9-4, so yeah, if Tennessee can beat them in Knoxville, that pretty much eliminates them. You mentioned about, you know, Tennessee's rivals. Kentucky and Florida, they kind of hold the key in terms of Tennessee making up some ground here. Alabama has to play them three times. Home and away with Florida and at Lexington, what do you think that record is for Alabama, who Tennessee is chasing for the SEC championship? What do you think their record is in that three-game stretch against Florida and Kentucky?
3: My my initial thought would be two and one, um, which would put you know a lot of pressure on Tennessee to need to win that game in Tuscaloosa. I think it's possible to go one and two. I would even throw it out. they play out Ole Miss too, and you sure. know I think they would win that game, but I think that's certainly a losable game too. Um, so you know, my again, my initial instinct doesn't say they lose one game, but when you you start looking at the schedule as a whole, with Ole Miss on there too and Tennessee, it feels like fourteen and four is more likely. Obviously, Tennessee would play a very very big part in that uh, of trying to get him knocked down to fourteen and four.
0: Here's an idea for you on RockyTopInsider.com, Ryan Shumpertz. I need you to track down the biggest Tennessee Alabama basketball games of all time because I think we might be headed for the biggest one on Saturday, March 2nd. Feels like that one might be the biggest one in history.
3: Uh, I think you're right, especially you're going know, to look at two teams that will be in the top 10 almost certainly in the SEC Championship Stakes. I don't know. I know Bama had some good teams in maybe the early Bruce Pearl years, but I can't remember any of those games being nearly that big. I think, I think you might be onto something.
1: Yeah, I think last year's might have been the biggest one when Alabama was ranked number one and Tennessee yeah. took them out. So that, I, I, that, that was
0: earlier in the season, like the SEC uh, race think, wasn't necessarily at the same point. And there was the SEC was at the semifinals of the tournament, the SEC. Yeah, the back to the, yeah. the
3: Keon and Jaden year. Yeah, uh, the first year Alabama won the SEC with Oates.
0: Yeah, so I mean that that one's up there as well. But I feel like this one that that's looming on March second is bigger than the one last year. I agree. Sure.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And, and again, that was a big game because of the fact that Alabama was number one, and I want to say Tennessee was number 10, but even with Tennessee winning that game, you know Alabama was still a lock to win the SEC, and like you said, I think that was early-ish in February, not you know final two weeks of the regular season with, with all the implications. So it was a big game from Tennessee's standpoint. It was a rivalry game, so it was a big game from Alabama, but that just felt kind of more like a normal, big, regular season game, where I think this one in Tuscaloosa is going to feel much bigger than really any regular season game, you know, hardly ever ever feels.
1: Okay, let's talk a little about Vandy because it felt so good. Um what what was your biggest takeaway? Was it seeing some of the the elder statesmen get right, you know, again Je- josiah has been playing well, but Santee we needed to see a game like that from him for sure. Um was it that? Was it the freshman getting a lot of minutes? I know coach Barnes was kind of talking about how he felt like those guys had earned some time and so that's good or was there something else for you that was a bigger takeaway Ryan? well my biggest
3: takeaway might have just been how terrible vanderbilt was huh. and you
1: know I, I think richard g west got some people
3: yesterday with a stackhouse fired tweet and you know i usually find myself wondering how in the world he still gets people but vanderbilt looks so bad I, I understood why people were ready to see a stackhouse fired uh, tweet yesterday but from the tennessee side of it you know, I think it was probably Vescovy, and, and not just the fact that he played well; it was kind of a quick trigger. Trigger he had shooting the ball. I mean, he's been a little tentative, and I uh, felt like Arkansas was one of the more extreme versions of that uh, earlier in the week. So for him to come out shoot the ball well, be really aggressive, I thought stood out. And then it just kind of, as a whole, from Tennessee, it, it furthered my belief that you know Tennessee's going to be at its best offensively when they're moving the ball a, a lot and they're getting everybody involved. It, This offense is a lot better because of Dalton Connect and because he can be a little bit of a slump buster. Uh, But Tennessee at its best, it's getting a lot of assists. It's moving the basketball. It's playing not as much pick and roll, uh, a lot of off-ball screening and off-ball movement. And Man, it felt like in that first half there were a lot of possessions. Tennessee didn't hardly dribble, and they were getting really good shots. It was a lot of fun to watch.
0: I just couldn't quit thinking about how Vanderbilt used to matter in college basketball. like. That that it kinda made me I don't want to say stat, sad, but it made me nostalgic just because that rivalry used to be a lot of fun. And yeah, now it's I did. just nothing. You know,
3: growing up in Nashville, like that was always the the game I would go to. The game at, at Vanderbilt and those Kevin Stallings teams were always good and, and the landscape of the SEC has changed where I don't think Vanderbilt's just going to easily be one of the top teams in the conference but there's still no reason they can't be regularly competing to make the NCAA tournament and making the NCAA tournament more years from now they should be relevant in basketball and man it feels like it's a long time since they have been
1: I was gonna say Ryan how old were you when Billy McCaffrey was like conference player of the year like two or three I don't I don't remember it so real real young I mean that those my point in that is those were those were also some fun Vanderbilt teams they predate you guys but I mean they they were they were one of those teams that in college basketball not just the SEC that you did not want to play they were they were just they were tough moved the ball around it was McCaffrey, Barry goheen all these guys they were uh, it, it is sad to see that it's nice to beat up on them but Bad for the conference when you see him playing this poorly.
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, the Shane Foster, A.J. Ogilvy, those yep. were the kind of the teams that, that I remember, and, and certainly Shane Foster and, and Chris Lawson, I think both a little bit ahead of their time in college basketball, just how elite shooters uh, they were.
0: Well, looking forward, I, I took Tennessee last night to win the SEC title. I do think that with the way Kentucky – and Florida are playing right now that I do think they can beat Alabama. I do think Tennessee matches up well. What number do you think Tennessee needs to get to to, to make that happen? What number does Tennessee need to get to down the stretch uh, to win the SEC? I think 14-4 and four probably gets them a share. Uh, there's a chance Alabama could go 15-3
3: and three and you don't get anything, but I think 14-4 and four probably gets a share, and uh, – 14-4 beating Alabama gives you at least an outside chance of winning it outright, um, but uh, I have a hard time. I think the path is going to be very difficult, Tennessee winning outright, but still a very good chance for them to get a share.
0: Yeah, it feels like a share, but like Tennessee does seem set up pretty well to win any tiebreaker with Alabama when you look at the seeding tiebreakers. It does seem like Tennessee has that in hand, at least.
3: Yeah, certainly. Obviously, it, it, the worst are going to split the head-to-head matchups, and You know, in this scenario, Tennessee does what they need to do to get the 14-4. and They're probably going to have a win against Auburn uh, another win against Kentucky and kind of have – obviously, they've already beaten Florida in their one game. They're going to have a good record against those other top teams in the standings. Uh, So, I think probably – you know, obviously, Tennessee hasn't done it to to date, but a good chance for Tennessee to be the
1: one seed seed in Nashville for the SEC tournament. I mean, the way they're playing right now, it feels like the double bye is almost a lock. I mean – uh, you know things could get sideways. I don't see it happening, um, but I, uh, I I'm just we're, we're really intrigued by who else gets those double buys. We think Auburn for sure, and Alabama, and Tennessee. But who gets that fourth one is going to be it's going to turn out to be a, a a really interesting thing to watch.
3: Yeah, it will I mean Florida's has just been playing so well that it, it feels like they're kind of the easy answer. But I think they're right; they're, they're tied with Kentucky, um, and Kentucky's got a hard schedule the rest of the way. But man, to see them go. Go win at Auburn when you know the talent that they have on that team. It's it's hard not to think that they, uh, they'll be right in the thick of that race as well.
0: All right, so Tennessee's got at Missouri and home for A&M. Feels like a slam dunk 2-0 week. Agree or yeah. disagree? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, we'll talk to you next week, Ryan. You got anything else on the way out, Bob?
1: No, that's it, man, Ryan. Appreciate your time, as always, buddy. Yeah, enjoyed it as always. We'll talk to you guys
0: next week. RockyTopInsider.com. Have a good week. We'll talk to you Monday. 2-0 seems like a pretty easy bet. He's been pretty good at projecting these upcoming records, though. He's got a good grip, a good grasp of what you know
1: Tennessee is going to do. The vibe of the team. The one question I didn't ask him was back to baseball. Is it Billy Bats or Billy Barrels? <laughs>
2: i saw billy barrels i'm all in on billy barrels i like billy barrels that's that. what i yeah. saw too yeah
1: oh i didn't see that yeah yeah, yeah that's what uh simo called him that okay so if you figure if that's what the team's calling him then that's what we got to call him not only does he have a good bat he, he's getting barrel
0: on the on the ball that's what you want
2: We've got some strong nicknames to start off what P- we got peeds and billy barrels this well don't first uncle two chrissy Uncle Chrissy, yeah. Don't
1: forget Uncle Chrissy. Uncle
2: Chrissy, <laughs>
1: that's just yours, though, right? Yeah, that's it, not a, it'll catch on. I'm waiting for one, of the, wait. Wait for one of the players to say, "Yeah, we call Stamos Uncle Chrissy." <laughs> might, I
0: don't know if I have the same uh, reach inside of the baseball program, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I got, I got Brian Niedemeyer known as Moose single-handedly. All right, that was just really me getting that into existence. All right, so just give it time, Uncle Chrissy. I, I need, I need Stamos to, uh, to be a big factor here, and we'll get it off the ground.
1: The other takeaway was the last SEC player. Now, was Shane Foster, I think he might have been a co-SEC player of the year. I was going to say. I hated that guy. The, I was going to say the last SEC player of the year was when Chump was two or three years old, but I don't think that's true. I think Foster got co, co-player co of the year. I never understood how his name was Shane.
2: Did I? Uh, it was, S- it was yeah.
0: S-H-A-N. How, how do you get Shane out of that? I'd call him Shan. Yeah, Did, I, I don't understand it. I still don't get it.
2: How was that, Shane? Was John Jenkins ever an SEC player of the year? That was kind of the guy of, like, my childhood.
0: I hated him, too. Yeah. yeah dude could shoot, man. Yeah, he could shoot the lights out of I feel it. like that was the last time Vanderbilt, Tennessee mattered, was John Jenkins.
2: He called me a good shooter at Vandy basketball camp when I was growing up. I liked nice. that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think he was just telling everybody that? or I don't
2: know. He's like, I like your shot, man. I was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well- me at like eight years old, love that compliment. You know, oh, I was like, sure. "Oh, that's cool." That's when Sam started his climb, to be, uh,
0: <laughs> you're getting the the wrist into the you're mm-hmm. snapping the wrist. Yeah,
2: really getting into the cookie jar. Getting into the cookie jar.
0: Jenkins huh? played in the NBA for a little bit, right? He Did Hawks, Mavericks, Grizzlies? I'm pretty sure
1: all three of them. I
2: saw one of my buddies like he's a Vandy fan, so he reposted it, but he's still playing in the G League. Oh, and really? He's like doing pretty well, apparently.
1: God, that's yeah. crazy, man. That's got to be weird, though. That's, that's like, a grind. That's like. Uh, that's like me playing with young guys, where they're <laughs> looking at me, going, "Hey, man, what are you doing here? Uh, th- 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 I wonder how long you. What's your shelf life in the G League? You must really love the game if you're going to keep trying to play there." But also, like, don't want to like live abroad. Yeah,
0: because you can make more money overseas, I guess. Yeah, I feel but feel like, it's like, like yeah, I'm make just going to be here in case anybody needs me. Yeah, thirty-two years old is not the time to be in the in the G League, really. No. Yeah, <laughs> I do miss Vanderbilt being somewhat relevant though like i mean because i don't i don't know maybe maybe if they were good again i would have that
1: hate back for them yeah, but they, i remember there for a while they were touting like themselves like we're they kind of the duke of the sec yeah in basketball it's like no yeah. not, not so much
0: i do miss the hatred though
2: something kind of fun about playing at the you know at memorial just like the weird court you know it's gonna be some kind of strange game that at least gets you interested
1: you ever been to a game there Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to one. It yeah. was. I actually enjoyed it, but it's weird. Maybe I wouldn't like it as a regular fan there. If That's you
2: sit it. in the right place, I think it's decent. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't ever been. Yeah, I've been to a decent amount just growing up there. But
0: mm. hour two in the books. We'll kick off hour three with some winners and losers of the weekend. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team? You can go- Winners and losers of the weekend brought to you by SM Athletics. You can look like a winner while your opponents look like losers. This spring sports season, if you have uniform, equipment, screen print, or embroidery needs, give SM Athletics a call. Excellent customer service, great products at a fair price. And when they say it is done, it's done right and on time every time. Don't chance it with unreliable mega stores or online orders. Give SM Athletics a call at 865 966 3434. That's 865 966 3434. You can visit online at smathletics.com. Winners and losers of the weekend. Bob, who won this weekend, in your opinion?
1: Well, I'll keep it on topic for where we've been uh, speaking of the Tennessee baseball team and what I was going to say. It's not just wins that I'm referring to. It's really about the hype surrounding this program. Uh, I mean, if you see how much, just on social media this past weekend, how many people were talking about uh, hell, do I have to subscribe? I want to watch them, so do I subscribe to this Flow TV thing? There was all that chatter. I can speak firsthand uh, on Rocky Top Insider. Our site blew up this weekend because of Tennessee baseball. Um, so it's kind of like Tennessee baseball school now. You know, it's it's really happening, and so I, I think they're just the whole vibe around them at the beginning of the season. It's it's pretty amazing if you think back to where this was as a program 5 years ago, you know, it's it's pretty amazing, I have to say. That's one of my winners. This winner is this is a little more personal and this is uh, from basketball and it's our guy Cam Carr. And the reason I say this is uh, did any of you see his post-game press conference? I did not. I did, yeah. I mean, he's incredibly well spoken, yeah. very positive. This kid's gonna he's got a chance to be a star. I think he recognizes his role. He shoots a hell of a lot, but he can play, obviously. I think I'm I'm so excited about him for next season. I really am. He was a fun interview, yeah. Yeah.
2: They asked him, they were like, Have you ever met a shot that you don't like? And he just leans in and he was like, No.
1: <laughs> he's great. He was a great interview, man. He
0: was unbelievable. Well, I'm glad that he is not lacking any confidence on the mic either, because he plays with confidence, which is kind of funny. For somebody who doesn't get to play a lot, you know, to still have that confidence. So it probably does take a special person to not lose any any faith in yourself whenever you're not getting the minutes you're used to because, I mean, he's a top-ranked prospect. And there's going to be a, a chance. The Tennessee basketball team is going to look a lot different next year. Like, yeah. you know, Vescovy and James have been here for so long. Connects made such a big impact in, in one year, of course. But there's going to be minutes at the wing, and there's going to be some new faces. So, yeah, I mean, he could definitely be a star, player next year and not only just a personality that's funny and quirky but like actually be a big impactful player if he puts the work in this offseason and it kind of you know de- continues to develop the body and, and play defense and he does seem like a player's going to drive rick barnes crazy though yeah I, 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 feel, I can already hear those complaints coming from rick barnes
1: i feel a little uh jordan mccray in him for some reason yeah. like as far as game and sure. everything else and i felt like he probably drove Conzo crazy a little bit too um he definitely drove Pearl crazy when he was there. But, uh, and then my third, I wanted to find something for the NBA All-Star Weekend, but it's hard, Steph and Sabrina maybe. But my third was a little more personal, and that is, uh, I don't know if you saw this, Michael J. Fox. Um, he came out to present uh, the Best Film Award at the BAFTA Awards, which are basically the British Oscars, um, their, their version of it, the Oscars, so to speak. And he came out in a wheelchair and um then got up out of the chair stood up got a standing ovation there were people crying i mean it's just it's just tough to watch somebody who was such a megastar um and he's fighting it i think with great courage and everything but you know this is you know parkinson's is a losing battle ultimately there's just no way to get around that and um it's just it's it's tough for me to watch, thinking back to my you know younger years and seeing you know how electric he was as a, as a film star, TV star what have you and see this. but uh, man, he's taking it head on and um, it was really impressive. So for the, from that perspective, I just I considered him a, a, a winner for me this weekend.
0: My winners of the weekend number three, I went with Hideki Matsuyama, a four million dollar paycheck, but also getting the vibes trending in the right direction, you know, heading into the Masters. You're, what, six weeks away from that or so, six or seven weeks away from that. So, to start playing good golf and, and to get back in the winner's circle had to feel a, a, like a good day for him. To shoot a 62 and to, you know, hawk everybody down and, and to get that win. It felt important for him. Number two, I went with women hoopers. You know, I thought uh, we've had Caitlin Clark – Kind of be in the the center, you know, the scope, the you know, be a centerfold celebrity when it comes to women's basketball. But we we added a couple other ones. I thought Sabrina Ionescu really showed out. I, I thought that she carried herself really well during the All Star festivities. Candace Parker on the call of the All Star game. I thought she was great. But then my girl Juju Watkins. Uh, did you see our stat line last night? Oh, yeah. Did you oh, see her stat yeah. line? The USC guard. We talked about her scoring 50 oh, yeah. points a couple weeks ago. Did you see her stat line? Did not. Crazy uh, efficient. Six of 32 from the field last night.
2: <laughs>
0: Ooh. And maybe the, my favorite part, they got a win. Maybe my favorite part is six of 32 with one assist. <laughs> I saw she you. shot the ball 32 times and passed the ball for an assist one time.
2: I saw a great tweet that said, like, uh, the rest of the team has got to just have a separate group chat without her in it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they have to, right? Or maybe they don't. Maybe maybe that's what type of hooper she is. I don't know. But, like, I I, I loved the confidence. And they won. And, yeah,
1: like, I do wonder how her teammates felt. But they, they kept passing her the ball. So, <laughs> how great would it be if we found out she was a relative of Cam Carr? Yeah.
0: She's from L.A. You know, maybe got a little Kobe Bryant in her as well. Who knows?
1: But. Or I don't know if she's from L.A. She
0: plays for USC. I guess I shouldn't say she's from L.A. But I couldn't help but think of her and, and Kobe and maybe even a little Nick Young, Swaggy P type of mentality because to shoot 30 times while only dishing out one assist, I, I do believe, makes her a winner. So, women hoopers, they were my number two winner of the weekend. Number one, though, I went with nostalgia. Nostalgia. I felt it during the Vanderbilt game. I felt it during All-Star weekend as people are crying about, man, the, the the – slam dunk contest used to be so much better and the all-star game people used to care about it and then on friday night bob i don't know if you saw the rock came out in his 500 dollars shirts and <laughs> called the people of utah trailer park trash and talked about their 50 wives and <laughs> went full hill i heard about it i didn't see it yeah it went, went, went full hill came out he had the shirt on i was like oh this is how it felt in the 90s here we go and then yeah then proceeded to to say that Utah had broke a record. He's like, congrats to all of you guys, 20,000 people. That's the state of Utah record for the biggest gathering of a bunch of dumb idiots, a bunch of trailer park trash. Are you talking? No, Indiana, right? Well, no, no. The Rock it was on SmackDown. Oh, I see what you're on saying. On Friday. He
1: wasn't. I got you. He okay.
0: came out and cut a promo in Salt Lake City. I follow you. And oh, then God. went heel against the people of Salt Lake City. Yeah, and said that it was the biggest gathering God, of, of trailer cold. park trash and talked about them with their 50 wives and. You know, you know, went on with that. I thought he lost it a little bit, the promo, but at least the hillside was there. And you combined all that up, I made nostalgia my biggest winner of the weekend.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny that you could, uh, I could associate that with my home state. But not necessarily the wives, but all the other stuff. It yeah. just felt like home when I heard that.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, you said 50 wives. I was like, is that nah. how they get
1: down in Indiana? i would
0: never heard that before. No. Sam, any winners we missed?
2: Um, I had two here. I had uh, Tennessee baseball transfers. I mean, Bob kind of, touched on that one but I think all transfers in your Tennessee baseball team played great you had uh Causey in the first game you know Stamos all the pitchers really Stamos Causey and Sneed Amick looked great so I think those transfers looked awesome and then uh I also had Dondi Plowman uh going into the into the crowd doing doing the swag surf with the students I think uh She's obviously a, a fan favorite and a student favorite around campus right now, and she just continues to do great things.
0: We've come such a long way from her shutting down the parties. We have. We during have. During COVID. We have. She's a legend, man. I didn't know that song was going to have so much hang time. I wonder if they knew it whenever they created Swag Surf, if <laughs> if 12 years later people are going to be doing it.
2: We did that at my high school sections. basketball game. Well, too. That's games what I'm saying. Too.
0: The song's like, at least a decade old. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, when I hear it, I think of – Lil Wayne's freestyle, that was like, I want to say the, was it No Ceilings? Was that what that was on? That was like my freshman or sophomore year of college parties and stuff. So, like, I mean, it's, that was 09. So, yeah, it's a 15-year-old song.
2: Man,
0: timeless. It kind of, I don't want to say timeless because, I mean, eventually (laughs) I think eventually maybe we end it, but, like, you know, I don't know if 40 years from now we'll be swag surfing. So, I I do feel like there's eventually an expiration date, but (laughs) maybe not. Maybe they just keep doing it, and then it'll just become tradition, and and, and we'll continue doing it. Nostalgia. That plays
1: into there, too. Nostalgia. The there you, there go, you go. There you
2: go. Nostalgia.
1: Who lost this weekend, Bob? All right. NBA All-Star Weekend. We've already talked about it in general terms. Um, 168 three-pointers. The, did you see, towards the end of the game, the whole touch pass play that yeah. the West did, where they didn't the ball didn't touch the floor, and they were saying that was maybe an homage to Bill Walton and John Wooden, it's like, hell no, it wasn't. They don't even know who he is. They were just playing a game. And I saw somebody also call it the the dribbles and giggles classic, which I thought was pretty, pretty funny, really, because that's all they do. They all laugh. Really what bothered me, though, the most is the loser of that NBA All-Star weekend could be, depending upon how you look at it, either C.J. Stroud or Houston Texans fans. He played in that Celebrity Pro-Am game. And played hard. And it's like, man, you've got like a generational quarterback out there. Is that really what you want to do? I mean, I'm sure he probably accepted that invitation a month or two ago or whenever they planned that game. I wouldn't get near that if I was him. Micah Parsons was. Yeah, was was it Micah in it? Yeah. Yeah. And he was. And
0: Puka, Puka.
1: Micah Parsons was balling and Puka
0: had a fast break dunk. Exactly. That's what I was
1: going to say. Those guys. Why? Why would you do that, man? (laughs) If I'm a fan of those teams, I'm like, please get the hell off the court. I don't know. That's a loser to me. The other loser, and this one hits home, is a team that (sighs) they got ranked this week in college basketball, and then they've gone out and basically soiled themselves. Indiana State. They have have gone from being ranked in one of the darlings in college basketball to now they might have to win their conference tournament to get into the tournament because they lost both their games this week to two teams, one that had a losing record, the other one – was okay but not a not a tournament team by any stretch pretty sad to see the other one that's falling quickly and we've talked about it but i'm happy to see it they lost again yesterday they got smoked was memphis mm-hmm. it was only three weeks ago not less than a month ago that they were ranked 10th in the country and uh, now they're three and six or three and seven in conference and it clearly um Hey, if there was tournament expansion like we talked about, they'd make the tournament, but they they, they are on the outside looking in right now. And then my third is St. John's hoops. And we talked a little about this with Patino, but again, think about this. If you've got a kid who's being recruited by St. John's right now, by Rick Patino, based on what I heard yesterday, it'd be hard if you're you know, getting recruited by somebody else. Why wouldn't you? Why would you? Why would you go there? I'd run from that. He was making comments not only about the players, but about that the facilities are some of the worst in college basketball, but we're working on it, all this other stuff. I mean, it was just – it was like John Calipari on steroids because Cal is always talking about the other team hit all their shots, we're young, all that stuff. This was much worse. I just think it was like a horrible sales job if you're trying to rebuild a once iconic basketball program.
0: Yeah, I mean, I imagine that – if you're Patino, you you
1: he at least care.
0: Well, you could probably justify it by saying I'm putting down the facilities to try to motivate some of the high dollar people to spend. But maybe not. Maybe Patino's like, ah, you know what? My my swan song's not gonna be great here. So I'm just gonna let the chopper spray and blame everybody except myself. My my players suck and my facilities suck. That was your last loser?
1: That was my last loser.
0: My losers of the weekend. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this name right. I'm gonna guess I'm not. But Matt Massiangelo, no, Massangelo. Matt Massangelo. Did oh, you guys see him over the weekend? I did. He was the college baseball player who I think through yeah. eight plate appearances had been hit seven times. I don't know what his final tally ended up being, but I know they came back and hit him on on Sunday morning as well. So I think uh, eight of seven of his eight first plate appearances ended up with him getting hit by a pitch and. On one hand, it's cool, like, hey, haha, I'm so tough, and now people know my name, kind of. On the other hand, I'm sure he's bruised up. Oh, yeah. And you don't want to be known to the women in your life as a guy that can't get out of the way of the, you know, because they'll be like, why don't you just move? The ball's coming. Why don't, why don't you just get out of the way? You don't want to be known as that guy. So he, he's a loser of the weekend.
2: His on base percentage is a winner. Sure. Yeah. But again,
0: <laughs> people in his life know that it's not because of anything he did. Right.
2: You ever seen Major League, Sam? <laughs> You ever seen Moneyball? They don't care how you get on base, just get on base. Yeah, I know, but have
0: you seen Major League? <laughs> have. have you seen Major League 2? Yeah. Do you want to be Roger Dorn? <laughs> no. <laughs> who's just got to sit out there and take a pitch? <laughs> he buys the damn team. He has to come out and just get hit in the back? Yeah. Get on base? I mean, his own base percentage of the game was great, Sam. He had one plate appearance and got on base. But he was known as the guy who got hit in the back and then immediately subbed out to run for My second biggest loser of the weekend, I was kind of in the same place as you were, Bob. I went with Rick Pitino's players. Not so much Rick Pitino, not so much St. John's, but Rick Pitino's players. I mean, that had to suck to just have to have that go viral and him talking about how miserable he is and you lose again and all the women in your life are looking at you like a loser and now your coach hates you. Now all your friends are texting you and calling you. Your mom wants to know what's going on. If if she needs to call coach and <laughs> complain about what 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 he's saying about her baby boy, you're just a loser. It's tough. But my biggest loser of the weekend, former NBA players that coach college basketball in Tennessee. Benny Hardaway and Jerry Stackhouse. The dynamic duo from the weekend. Both embarrassed. Stackhouse and Penny. I don't know are they, are, they, are they both headed for unemployment this off season do you think penny gets removed or do you think penny gets like a
1: you know a deal where he has to kind of prove it or lose it next year I think he might have one more season yeah maybe maybe I mean, it really depends i mean if they go and continue to just collapse and they have a short run in the the mighty AAC conference tournament and it 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 could still go further south than it has
0: it's embarrassing, and he's 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 one of those people. He's like Dabo Sweeney that cannot handle when things are bad. Right. Put a microphone in front of him after a loss, and you're going to get some type of quote that
1: makes everyone kind of cringe. Remember the Florida Atlantic loss in the first round of the tournament last season? Well, I was going to say they gagged that away. They, they completely blew that game. I remember he, like, threw something, like, across the floor at the end. You know, the game was over, but, like, threw a bottle, you know, a water bottle or something. He's... He's tough to watch. Ever since he got kind of, in my opinion, disrespectful of Barnes in that uh couple of years ago, I've kind of I've lost some uh I've lost some respect for the dude, not a fan.
0: Well, you know that Rob Lanier had to feel pretty good about that game yesterday, right? Rob oh, Lanier, yeah. the coach at SMU, he was Rick Barnes's right hand man for a while here at Tennessee. You know he had to feel kinda good about it, right? I don't think he was here when when penny and them canceled the game during covid he was gone by then but i will say he was probably here during the balled up fist and the disrespect so at least to get his get, get Barnes back a little bit nah, i agree but then yeah stackhouse i mean he's the same way he's not long for that world either so nba coach former nba players that coach college basketball in the nba that's my biggest loser of the weekend sam anybody we missed
2: um i had lebron uh, his retirement tour, saying that he was 50-50 on whether or not he's going to be doing a retirement tour. I think we all know the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> the fact
0: that you say you don't know if you want a retirement tour is kind of
2: you wanting a longer
0: retirement right. tour. You want people right. to Look, <laughs> yeah. well, like LeBron. Some of the stuff he does is really cringy. Yeah, like, this yeah. is cringy. And then to respond to getting swept by the Mavericks or by the Nuggets last year and immediately come out and be like, yeah, you know, I might retire. This might have been it for me shut the hell up. No, you weren't going to retire last year. You wanted to make that the story and get your flowers rather than let people talk about how the Nuggets swept you out of the playoffs. You, come on. Yeah. Come on.
2: Come on. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is another loser of the weekend for me. Um, he's the best golfer in the world, tee to green, and then you get him onto yeah. a putting green, and he suddenly doesn't know how to play golf anymore. He was top of the, of the field in pretty much all of these stats t to green and then he's last in the field in putting um it, it really is sad because it's a guy that is still one of the most dominant players in the world right now uh and he just is losing like probably three or four tournaments a year to bad putting
1: him and finau both right i mean yeah. finau is another one who can crush it and then just melts down at, mm-hmm. on the green
2: yep um yeah then my last loser was uh, Mark Zuckerberg. I don't know if y'all saw this this clip, but...
0: Of him at UFC? Yeah. Okay, explain this to me. Because so, I saw a tweet about it, and I saw a picture about it. Like, look, <laughs> any further into the story.
2: So he, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, you obviously know he's gotten into into mixed martial arts and doing drinking jiu-jitsu blood, and stuff like that. Yeah, blood of people. <laughs> and uh, he ends up walking out with one of the fighters this weekend, um, and he's basically like one of his... You know, Cornerman Cutman guy, and the guy's taking his socks and shoes off and taking his shirt off and passing his shoes down the row, and every single member of their team is like getting a garment of their clothing and passing it off to someone important, and Zuckerberg's just standing in the corner, just like trying to grab something to make himself feel important, and nothing is coming his way. He just looked so awkward, and everyone on Twitter was going after him. Do we know if he's helping like
0: bankroll? this fighter at all?
2: I don't know. That's a good question. Like,
0: pay for his camp or, like, you know, help with some training just to kind of learn and, like, be a part of, like, that entourage. That would be a
2: good uh, trade-off.
0: Yeah, because, like, in UFC, like, you know, you are in – you're basically a contractor, right? Like, you take care of your own camp. You pay for everything yourself. So, Mm -hmm. I I wonder if, like, he is helping – because, I mean, he's got, obviously, more money than he knows what to do with, and he's training. And it does bother me a little bit that Zuckerberg could kick my ass. (laughs) It does bother me a little bit –
2: just because he looks like a nerd?
0: Well, you know, he is a nerd. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. look like a nerd. He, I mean, he is, is a nerd. nerd sure. Yeah, he is a nerd. There's no looking like <laughs> it. I mean, he does. I will say in this picture here, he looks cooler than he usually does. And this one picture I'm looking at from this, like, because he usually looks way nerdier. And, like, I think of, at first when I think of Mark Zuckerberg, I think of Jesse Eisenberg from the Social Network. And then I have to be like, wait, that's not really him. <laughs> and then I think back to Zuckerberg, like, doing, like, the skiing and having, like, the, the white the, the the really pale face from the sunscreen he's wearing the mineral sunscreen he's using making his face really white. But I gotta say in this picture he looks he doesn't look that big of, like that big of a nerd. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Were those all your losers, <laughs> your losers, Sam. Yes. yes. Sorry. I'm it just... doesn't bother you that Zuckerberg could kick your ass too. Yeah, I mean, He no, does just, a little the, bit. The, the, he's, a, he's a nerd. The fact that we're spending time saying, "He looks kind of cool here." <laughs> he does. He's in a UFC camp. I mean, that's yeah. kind of cool. He's around a bunch of badasses. So, him and him and you, Be- get, you get raised up a little bit if you hang out with badasses. You kind of look like a badass too. Him and Bezos both uh, have done their share to get jacked, and you know, they, Bezos is another one. That looks like entirely different to me. Um,
0: well, see, Bezos, again, all the money in the world. Jack still looks like a loser, though. Yeah. Every time I see a picture of him, I'm like, okay, bro. Yeah. This guy's, like, cosplaying as a cowboy who's cosplaying <laughs> as, like, Vladimir Vladimir Putin. That's who I feel like every time I see him. I'm like, this guy wants to have that whole aesthetic going. No, Zuckerberg's just hanging out with some bros, being one of the guys. It's kind of a cool picture. Because <laughs> he's being one of the guys. Like, those guys probably don't care how much money he has unless he's funding the whole camp. But they're like, hey, at any moment— We can whip your ass, but maybe also not because you've been training so much. They probably respect him.
1: I don't know. I just think that's kind of a good move for Zuckerberg to just be hanging out in the UFC. A couple quick things to put a bow on winners and losers listener posted on X to all of us. Said, I'm not sure you can have a losers list without including a top ranked team that lost to a team that doesn't even have a head coach. So uh, I, is that is that about Purdue? I'm guessing he's talking about Purdue, and he's probably right. To be honest with you,
0: well, you know, the guy, one guy got hit by a pitch seven times in in one weekend of baseball. Another, you know, group of uh, players got embarrassed in front of all the women because this old ass vampire looking coach is talking about how miserable he is. And then Jerry Stackhouse and, and you know, oh, Kenny Hardaway.
1: Those are good losers. Our losers are good, I think. And also, you know what? We've talked about it in college basketball, this whole deal about top 10 teams losing on the road. It's uh, that they still have a losing record this season. I
0: think they're one game under five hundred. But what did Purdue actually lose? I mean,
1: the number no. one overall seed, yeah. okay, that's
0: fine. But, like, UConn, UConn was going to be in Boston and Purdue is going to be in Detroit. That's still the way it's
1: looking. So, exactly. So, like, they
0: haven't really lost anything
1: yet. Exactly. I agree. And then the only other thing I'll add is – I don't know uh, the rules on winners and losers. If you could be a winner and a loser, but maybe Mark Zuckerberg kind of a winner and a loser because Sam kind of a loser. I think he looks kind of cool. <laughs> um,
2: a winning looking loser. Yeah.
1: C.J. C- Stroud was also spotted. Like, it wasn't the weekend, but it was the week. Uh, leaving a celebrity no. softball tournament with Amber Rose. No, no, this makes him even more of a loser. No, 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 no. <laughs> Amber Rose.
0: Okay, like
2: he was in the Kardashian suite for the Super Bowl too, wasn't he?
0: Was he? He's so making CJ, rounds. If I, Amber Rose is 40 and I'm not being an ages here, but like that's
2: it's like 22.
0: That's borderline <laughs> pedophilia. Like, I mean, like I know it's not, but like she's 40 and he's 22, 23. Like that does not make him a winner. Be hanging out with a 40 year old. What is she even anymore? She's a I model, mean, model and rapper. Combined. I've never heard her rap. When does she rap? Um, because she was with Kanye and Wiz Khalifa, and they never put her on a track. So young, they, young Jeezy.
1: It was. Young she Jeezy. has a song with
0: Young Jeezy. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, I don't think of her as a rapper, and I don't think that made C.J. Stroud look cool hanging out with her. Again, I have nothing against forty-year-old women. I'm just saying, if you're C.J. Stroud, maybe do better. You know what I mean? And, and at least find you a normal forty-year-old woman. That just loves you for you and doesn't love you for the attention. How about that? So, in your book, he's a double loser,
1: basically. You know, I didn't have a problem of it. How did, how did he play in the celebrity game? I don't know. I know he loves basketball. He's talked about that before, that that's, that was really his first love. And, and he had talked and, about how he,
0: like, dropped 30 on Jaime Haquez in, like, a state tournament game or something, like, in in high
1: school. Yeah. I, I, I have to admit, I saw very I saw okay. little, very little of that game. So. I don't think he's a loser for that unless he, like, looked bad playing. Just worried about him getting hurt. Well, if I – think about think about Dre Greenlaw running off the field <laughs> sure. and blowing out an Achilles. So like- if you're a 49ers fan, you're like, really? This, these guys are out here
0: playing basketball. Michael Parsons <laughs> out here dunking on people. <laughs> yeah. and, and our guy just yeah. pops an Achilles running onto the field. So, if, okay, so let's see. Let's compromise here. The loser in this scenario is really Texans fans. Because yes. they had to be so terrified. And also, like, I would be really terrified about the Amber Rose thing too. <laughs> Because my quarterbacks live in the celebrity lifestyle. <laughs> after one year, I mean, you gotta come back and you gotta you, you gotta keep building off of that. You don't want to become too big of a celebrity where you're not, you know, putting in the work and focused.
2: He was staying so humble all year too. Right and yeah. now he's on his celebrity tour. And once that the off-season was, And
1: dates. that was uh, Travis Scott's celebrity softball tournament. Nothing good happens with uh, Travis Scott events in Houston.
0: Clearly. No. And there you go. There's more Kardashian ties, right? Because Travis Scott, he's with you know we've been with one of the Jenners for a while, right? So I mean it's
2: so right. C.J. Stroud's a boss is yeah. kind of what we're yeah. saying, I guess. <laughs> I, I hate C.J. Stroud.
1: <laughs> you
0: know, you don't I'm see Will bum. Levis doing this. You see no. Will Levis locked in and, and focused.
2: I actually saw a video of Will Levis this weekend. Someone posted it, and they are like, who's winning the Super Bowl? And he looked hammered, and he was like, it's the
0: Titans, baby. <laughs> <laughs> come on, get the camera out of the guy's face. I know, right? <laughs> he has, does he not have any friends? Like, hey, come on. Come on, guys. Get out of here. Uh,
2: All no, right. I had a winner that I, I forgot to mention, uh, Aaron Gordon. Nikola Jokic got got asked by a reporter, uh, "Who on the team that he that he would trust with those with his horses?" Uh-huh. And he paused for like a minute, and he was like, "Aaron Gordon." A Thoughtful answer. That's a, yeah, exactly. Good job by that reporter getting a hard headed question. Right, there. you can't get much from Jokic.
0: All right, send us a break. We will uh, wrap up this Monday edition of the morning show. Stick with us on Fan Run Radio.